Hey there, everybody. It's Will Young here. I'm not going to take up too much of your time here at the start of this edition of Elwood City Limits Presents because, well, there's somebody else that you should be hearing from today. Recently, I got the chance to sit down with someone who has worked on not just Arthur, but also on many other projects from the original animation studio for Arthur, Sinar. Uh, in Montreal. It's not, uh, not, not in business anymore, but this particular person has been around animation and animation design for a very long time. His name is Rich Morris, and uh, he worked on the first four seasons of Arthur. He's going to get into telling you a little bit about behind the scenes of what it was like uh, to work at Arthur back in the day, to work in animation, the secret origins of George he talks about a little bit, and what makes Arthur special. Oh, and what it's like winning an Emmy, which he did three times. Rich is a great guy and there's going to be some ways that you can uh, keep up with him at the end of the interview. So sit back and enjoy uh, this talk with Rich Morris. Welcome back everybody. Uh, well, this is appropriate, isn't it? We're actually recording this in a library right now and uh, I'm today speaking to Rich Morris, who, uh, well, he did some animation work on Arthur, and I'm going to let him kind of tell his side of the story. Uh, Rich, thank you very much for joining me here today. This is a really rare honor. We both end up being living in the same place, uh, which I did not see coming at all. So for those who aren't aware, um, can you tell me in brief the work that you did both with Sinar, uh, which was the original animation studio for Arthur, as well as your time on Arthur? <laughs> Hi, my name is, well, as you heard, is Rich Morris, and uh, I did work on the first four seasons of Arthur and on the, the Christmas special, uh, Arthur's Perfect Christmas. Um, I was born and raised in Montreal and uh, got into animation. I went to Sheridan College, uh, where they, at the time, in the er early 1990s, it was 1989 to 1992, about... Uh, they were promising that uh, the animation world had picked up and was was glorious and and we were guaranteed work right out of right before right before we graduated even people were getting picked up but just by the time I finished up in 1992 we got hit by an economic recession so I ended up going back home to Montreal and being kind of unemployed for a while uh, but uh, my sister happened to run into some old friends from school who were in the animation industry and she managed to get me some work at a little studio called Michael Mills Productions in Montreal. And uh, from there, I made connections and was able to get uh, my first big job, uh, not just doing anim uh, assistant animating and stuff, but I was actually doing character and prop design on Arthur. It, was, it just started up, and I got my very first chance to work on it on episode three, which I think was Arthur's Tooth? might have been the, f the third episode. It was 3A, anyway, was my first episode. I think the, fr the original one was Arthur's Eyes, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, that was episode one, which I didn't get to work on. Um, it had already been started. So I didn't get to help with developing the characters, but I was there for some interesting changes to the original characters. <laughs> um, so my job was to create model sheets of anything that moved. So characters, props, costume changes, things like that. Um, I would have to create a, a page. Um, they were fairly large because we didn't use computers. It was all done on paper by hand. Uh, I would use color race blue pencils or red. Uh, and, uh, and then after they'd been approved, we would clean them up with ink. Now, a lot of stuff got cleaned up in black pencil. 
but I was using ink because we had to use that wiggly line. Arthur's got a very distinctive little wiggly line, and that line took ages to learn because if you do it too wiggly, then the thing looks a mess. And if you don't do it wiggly enough, then it looks too solid. So it took ages to practice getting your hand to twitch just that much. And I remember uh, the first few weeks being there, I would go home when my hand was still shaking because <laughs> we had to learn how to hold our, our muscles tense to get the wiggly line. But um, yeah, we, we, uh, I remember one interesting story on that uh, DW's class was a bunch of, they were preschoolers, I believe, and, and there was a whole bunch of characters designed for the back, and some of them later got names. So there was Emily and the twins and, and characters, but there was one character who was in her class who was a pig. It was a little piglet character. And uh, I think one of the first notes I remember getting back was, uh, the, w- what we would do is we would photocopy the drawings we did and send them off to Mark Brown and to uh, producers and things, and then they, we would get notes back, written directly on the photocopies, and we would make the notes on the on the actual originals. Um, but one of the notes had a big X on the pig, and it said "Eliminate the pig," and that became a catchphrase for the first season. Anytime a character was not wanted and was to be removed, we would all look at each other and say in our best, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, "Eliminate the pig." <laughs> do, you know, do you know why? Uh, the imp- I believe it was because there are negative connotations. I mean, she was. It was a little chubby character, so it was like, okay, the fat kid is a pig. Too easy to to um, to make fun of a child, and so he was very he was very good about being sensitive about how the characters would be used and and what might happen to them. And so he got rid of a pig character, and there was an alligator character who just didn't fit the style of the show. It actually it's in the first few episodes. He it's a guy walking around in the background. He's got like a big long alligator face, and we had to get rid of him as well. That kind of starts to get into like Bojack Horseman territory at that point. Yeah. Like every animal under the sun. Yes. Uh, and there was a joke behind that too. I'll tell you that one later. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was, that was my job was to create model sheets for the animators and the storyboard artists to copy. Okay. Um, I had to draw them in size relations and different angles. And then they would go to an ink and a paint department and they would paint them up. So I never knew what color they were going to be. <laughs> and so you also worked at CNR on some other projects uh, around that time as well. I'd love to know more about them. I see you brought the CNR bag in with you, and you got something that says Mona the Vampire. So that was uh, that was a big that was a big one for me. Which other ones can you tell me about? Uh, let's see, I started on Arthur, and then from Arthur I switched to uh, the New Adventures of Little Lulu. Yes. You see that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I worked on that f- with uh, Joanne Matt for a while. She was my supervisor. She was excellent. Uh, and then back to Arthur for season two, and then I was on. Oh, I did a, about two weeks on Caillou, which was one of the one of the worst experiences of my career. Oh, no. One of <laughs> <laughs> that was that was horrible. Um, and then I worked on Animal Crackers. Yes, this is all like prime. This like when Teletoon was just airing. Yes, for me. yeah, yeah. We we had a from. yeah. Um, what was that? Sh- that's uh. Was it Teletoon? I think Teletoon, yeah. We were like one of the first ones on board with that. So okay. so a lot of, they bought up a lot of our, our contracts and stuff there, I believe. Sure. So yeah, yeah. Th- that was all the ones I worked on while I was there. I and mean, there were other ones in that were also made there that my best friends were on. So I know a lot about things like um, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Mm-hmm. And uh, my best friend there worked on uh, Busy World of Richard Scary for years. When it comes to a show like Arthur... Um, did you have any particular favorites that you enjoyed drawing or designing along the way? Yeah, I, well, I liked t- I liked drawing vehicles. I generally don't 
like drawing cars and things, but there were a few times where I, I got to draw some fun ones. Like I had to do a bus that converts into a rocket ship for a nightmare Arthur has when he gets to take the bus. That was fun. And I got to do uh, a shuttlecraft, a NASA shuttle for uh, for Buster, I believe, when he he's worried about coming back and not fitting in with his friends. Yes. And there was there was a scene with a yeah, there's a scene with a with a, a shuttle. Uh, and there was a scene. With, I mean, there were lots. Yeah, there's there's lots. And my favorite characters, though, there's a few characters I designed who who I'm, I'm really fond of. But in particular, uh, the Moose Kid. His name's George, George, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a long story with George. Uh, he was one of the original background characters in Arthur's class, I yeah. think. And he never had a name. He, we just referred to him as the Moose Kid. You know, m- make sure the Moose Kid's in this particular spot or whatever. <laughs> but for some reason, uh, Mark Brown decided he didn't like him. Uh, and so he would ask us to play down his appearances. I don't know, maybe because of the antlers or something. I never did find out why, but we kind of opposed that because we liked him. So uh, we kind of conspired. It was a, like a, an unwritten, unspoken con- conspiracy between the artists, the uh, the designers, the storyboard artists, and the and the scriptwriters to give him more and more prominent scenes slowly over the over the seasons. So he, first off, he was just you know one of the kids in the class, and then later he would be walking with some friends in the background. So we ma- he made sure he was there, and eventually there was a scene where where Binky threatens him, and he got his first noise. So someone actually had to make a noise for him, and then later on he got a speaking part, and he got a, he got a, actually got to speak. And then eventually he developed into this character. He got a name. I, I designed a maple leaf. He had a backpack on yes. with a maple leaf on it. So I decided early on he was Canadian. Uh, and uh, and then he got his name George, and he got a whole episode to himself. And we thought, hey, we won. You know, we <laughs> we took this character who was going to be eliminated like the pig, and uh, he became George, one of the main characters. <laughs> and of course, and then that ended up being an entire character, like you said, not just an, a name and like a nationality, but then he became part of an episode about dyslexia. Um, and you mentioned as well uh, Mark Brown's kind of involvement uh, with you know final approval and he seems to even like to this very day um with the whole controversy about mr ratburn and everything his and the arthur team's um desire seems to always be to be representative of many different kid realities of kids in real life today and i I this is this is kind of where my ignorance of where kind of animation is in the creative process is. I wonder if you had any um, kind of interactions with the creative side of Arthur, be it say the voices or the writing or anything like that, that made you realize that Arthur was kind of a special show. And I hope I'm not kind of looking too deeply into it you've got the arthur the arthur vest and everything so uh I, I know it means a lot to a lot of people and i wonder if there was ever a point when you were working on it where you realize yeah this i i get it like this means a lot to people because of this yeah that's very interesting because nobody ever knows how uh, a show like a, a show that gets really popular no one at the time ever knows it's going to be so for a lot of people it's never more than just a job until they look back at it Arthur was a little different. Um, Mark, uh, I never got to meet Mark Brown to face face to face. I heard his voice over the phone when he was talking to uh, Greg Bailey, the uh, the director, yes. a couple of times, and uh, and I know he visited the studio a few times, uh, quite often, right. I gather. But I never actually met him face to face. 
and we didn't always agree with his decisions like it, there were there were some things we used to uh, you know used to roll our eyes about he would ask like we had a thing where um anyway that's another story i get i get easily get distracted by those um anyway he had a very particular vision and it was and it was interesting and it was and it was popular and it wasn't i think it was there was a point where i thought okay so when when they were making these shows they would make them for syndication so you would need a certain number of episodes to qualify for syndication and then once they'd done that they could package them up and send them off and they'd go so most of the shows we made at Sinar had to have like whatever the number was it was 30 episodes or 24 episodes or something like that it was some some number like that once you've got this number of episodes then you don't need to make any more and they would get packaged up sent off and we never heard from them again but Arthur didn't stop Arthur we got and it was because it wasn't being sold to syndication it was being sold to WGBH I believe I'm not an expert on on the business side of how this works but this is how I understood it at the time so uh, when we hit the 30 episode mark and then we heard there was going to be a season 2 another 10 episodes we thought well that's unusual isn't it and then, and it kept, and then there was going to be another season you know, and then I, would, I was at Sinar for 6 years before the you know everything kind of fell apart and the whole time we were there, the Arthur was being made. And now, of course, it's gone on and on and on and on and on. So I think by the time I saw episode 40 being made, I thought, you know, this is this is not going away. This is sticking around. And it was fun to read. Like when I would read this, I had to read the scripts before I started designing anything. And one of my first things I do is I would highlight all the props and all the characters that I needed to design. Right? So you highlight them, make a list. And uh, reading them was a pleasure. Now, this was one of my first jobs. So I didn't experience until later that this would become one of the worst chores. Uh, like uh, uh, Arthur, shows I've worked on since uh, recently, uh, I think, oh God, here, I have to read the script. And so I'll sit and I'll force myself to get through it all until I know what I have to do. Now I, I work as a storyboard artist now, but uh, so the job's different. But I, I still have to read the scripts and it's a chore. But Arthur was always fun. It always made me laugh. And we had uh, dialogue, even not in the scripts but like the, we would all like the designers and the and the script writers and the storyboard artists and and Greg Bailey and to a lesser extent Mark Brown we would actually talk to each other through these things with notes and comedy and jokes and things that never even made it to the screen but we were having so much fun working on it so yeah Arthur was always something special it's always something I've looked back on and thought you know that was kind of a highlight of my career it was a shame it was so early. You know, I kind of wish I'd done Arthur a little lately, you know. <laughs> like I said before, I'm a little bit ignorant to kind of the animation side of, you know, cartoons, animated series, that kind of thing. I'm curious what the workload looks like for somebody in your particular job title when you were on Arthur. Like what type of did like what type of did you have to do like many exercises with your hands? Would you have to would 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 there be a risk of maybe injury with with animation like what uh, what did a typical day look like for you working at arthur so i used to come in in the mornings um and uh yeah some of us would do drawing exercises because uh, back we didn't use computers then we didn't uh, the only computer was being used in the in the color department i think and to uh, to, uh, to transfer the colors so we w- we had a like a big light table and shelves and a huge stack of paper and a photocopier 
and it was all hand-drawn, so we would keep our hands limber by, by drawing. So, um, some people would just draw circles. I used to, my friend Eric and I used to draw pictures of chickens and things and leave them on each other's desks and stuff like that. And then uh, uh, then we'd get a script would come in and, and I'd spend, I don't know, half an hour, an hour reading the script and making the notes. Um, uh, the only potential for injury, I think, would be like muscle strain in the hands. Uh, and we also used to use exacto uh, blades because what we would do is... <laughs> If there was an error that we could fix on, on a page, we, instead of drawing the whole thing over again, we would we would turn on the, the light, the backlight, so we could trace off the correction. And then we would use the the um, exacto blades to cut that little piece out of both and then tape it on from the back. And then you'd use uh, whiteout to sort of fill in the little space, the little line around it, so you couldn't see it when it photocopied. Uh, so yeah, we sometimes would, you know, shear off a little bit of skin with a exacto blade. So. It was pretty cushy. I gained a lot of weight once I started doing animation because uh, it was it was a lot of sitting around and drawing. And then yeah, then the rest of the day would be spent uh, drawing. Now, uh, what we did an, an exercise once when they were considering how they were going to pay us because we got as designers we got paid by the hour. Uh, so we would come in in the morning. You know, you clock in in the morning and then you clock out. You know, take your your hour for lunch or half hour, whatever it was at the time, and uh, and then they would pay you f- by week you know, how many hours you did. Um, but some departments, like the layout and design, de- la- the layout department, sorry, which was, um, that's where they would set up the scenes. Like each individual scene would be set up with uh, with drawings for the animators. So there would be instructions. Here's the background, the angle it has to be on. Here are the characters in their first and last poses or whatever. Uh, and then they, those would get sent off to the animators and then they would animate them from that. And the people who made those would, got, would get paid by the scene. So, you know, they would say if they did one, just one scene, then they would only get paid for the one scene. If they did, by the end of the week, if they did like 30 scenes and they got paid for the 30 scenes. And they were trying to find a model that they could make us, pay us the same way. But it didn't work because uh, in design, I could spend all, all they would say, take tra- keep track of how many drawings you do in a day. So I'd say, okay, fine, I'll draw that. I'll do, I'll do that. So every time I finished a drawing, I would do a, put a little mark on the side of, the, of my desk and then one day I could do maybe um, one drawing because it would be like a crowd scene. So there's like a, it's the shot where Arthur's playing the piano at an imagined concert and DW's in the audience and then there's this huge crowd of characters in the background. And I had to design all those characters in this crowd. And I could, I could, it could take me two days to do that. So one day I would have like 0.5, you know, and then 0.5 and I have one drawing done in two days. And then the rest of the week, I'm drawing props. You know, draw a toothbrush, draw a screwdriver, draw a bolt, and I could do maybe a hundred of those in a day. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, there was no way to calculate it. So they had to stick to paying us by the hour. Uh, so yeah, that, that was that was what the workload was like. And then we would have a f- wow, that was a long time ago. That was uh, we'd get two weeks, I think, to do an initial design, and then we'd hand it in. And then while we while it was in being approved by the director and then Mark Brown and, and the producers and all that, while that was happening, we would be doing revisions on the previous episode that had come back. And so we'd be doing corrections and things. And then that one would come back while we started the next one. So on and so on. Before we move on completely from Arthur, um, one of the things that you brought with you uh, is your Emmy Award. Mm. Um, so we've talked about on the show before how Arthur's several seasons have won an Emmy and... Uh, 
I'd love to know more about that experience. It's uh, we'll have a picture for it up on the uh, up on the Elwood City Limits uh, social media. But uh, yeah, tell me about uh, what it was like winning winning this one. That must have been something else. The one you're looking at right now is actually my third uh, for Arthur. Not my personal third, but I mean we we won while I was on the show for the four the four seasons. We won three times. Uh, the first time we won, it was obviously it was a huge deal. We all I remember it got announced at the studio and we all cheered, uh, and we all wondered who would get to go to the ceremony. Of course, um, the d- the director and and uh, producers, Mark Brown and I guess and, and a bunch of other people, but the, the artists, of course, they, they couldn't accommodate all of us. We were allowed to go, couldn't afford to, but we could all go uh, as audience members and cheer them on, and a lot of us did. Uh, we found out a little later, I mean, like they, they went, they did the ceremony and everything, and then they announced that they were going to have a, a, a party for us. And so they rented out this uh, this strange place in Montreal. It was a bathhouse. It was like an old bathhouse. And so it was kind of like, if you can imagine, an in-ground pool, but big and square, the size of a of a big party room. And so you'd come in and go down the, uh, the, the, the stairs into this sort of sunken area and they had cheese and wine and cheese set out and there was a TV set up showing the Arthur the specific episode that had been nominated and won the Emmy and uh, and we got to mingle with uh, different departments like it wasn't just the artists and um, uh, the, the guy who the, the guy who played Arthur was there and uh, the the voice of Arthur I can't remember his name now Michael Yarmish. the yeah yeah him <laughs> good job uh, so he was there and um, the guy who played Mr. Haney, he was such a sweet guy. I don't remember any of their names now. It was so long ago. But I remember chatting with him. He was really cool. And the woman who played Mrs. Ms. Grady, I believe. Or no, Grandma Thora. Yeah, it was Grandma Thora's voice. And uh, so we, we got to chat with them. And then they had um, the statues. They had a pile of the statues. And we could go up and get our photographs taken with the statues in our hands. And I've got a few of those. And... Uh, and then they would they had us all gather and i, I wish i could find it. i have the photograph we are they all gathered in the middle and gave some a few of us these statues to hold and they took a big crew photo of all of us together now i've got that photograph in my basement but i could not find it before we came over all right i showed it to you um i if i do when i do find it though i will definitely scan it in send you a copy so you can put it on the site it's really nice and of course i i'm right in the front row so i'm very very <laughs> pleased with that uh so that was very exciting and we we got a certificate it's like a it's not like this it's like a normal c- sort of certificate you know the academy has a picture of this the academy wishes to thank and then they scribble in your name uh richard morris for your contributions to this uh, show and all that kind of stuff so i've got two like that because the second time it was a very similar experience except they didn't have the party okay. so the second time you know they went they got the award they told us we cheered and then they presented us at the studio with our second certificate for all the the artists so I got that one framed to match the first one, and those are up on my wall. The third time, we were used to it. So we kind of, by the way, we won again. Yay. <laughs> and instead of... Breaking Brad would win every year. Yeah. It's like, it's going to get tired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were still excited about it, but we were busy, and, and it was no longer a novelty. But they got one of the artists to does design this one for us, because they weren't going to get the regular... They couldn't get the uh, the certificates, or they didn't get the certificates for us. So instead, they made personalized ones. Uh, so they, it's it's actually a cell overlay. There's a background painted with the clouds and the stands and the uh, and the uh, the statues, and then Arthur and D.W. and I believe the plaque are on a layer on top, yeah, on a, a cell layer. 
Yeah, so it's a cell layer over top. And uh, I kind of like this one the best because it's got Arthur on it. You yeah. know? <laughs> the others are very official looking in it. You know, it's something you put in your in your study when you want to impress the guests and all that kind of stuff. But this one is fun. This is this is the one that I I like the most. So yeah, it was it was very exciting. And I understand it went on to win more Emmys afterwards, but I was not involved. So, Well, stepping away from Arthur for a little bit, I'd love to know kind of what you've been up to in uh, recent years, including, y- so CNR obviously based out of Montreal, after your time with them and with Arthur, um, how you kind of found your way to Halifax. Uh, this, this is a little bit of the local portion of the show, but I'm, I'm certainly interested in that. And any other projects that you've been involved in in the last uh, f- few years that you're uh, particularly proud of? After I finished at Sinar, uh, I finished in 1999, and Sinar finished shortly after that. Uh, I, I don't know how well aware you are of the situation with Sinar. Yeah, the big scandal, and it all kind of got frozen by the... Yeah. Anyway, so I got laid off after that season of whatever it was I was working on. I think it was uh, Moan of the Vampire, probably. So yeah, uh, while... Oh yeah, I guess... Did I mention that? I did mention I worked on Moan of the Vampire while I was I working. Think so. I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yes, so those those were the projects I worked on there. <laughs> um, after we left Sinner, uh it was hard to find work after that. Uh, so I ended up working because I mean, it, when this a scandal like this hits the industry, uh, everyone panics because they don't know what's going to happen next. So all these projects, all the studios in Montreal, all kind of froze up and waited to see how this would turn out. So there was no work coming in. Uh, so there was no animation to do for me anyway. Uh, I ended up working briefly as a as a, an illustrator for a series of of uh, school books with the the Bronfman Jewish Education Center. So I worked there for for a little while, and while I was during the time I was there, I got married. A little later on, uh, my wife had an opportunity to go to university in Halifax, and it was a program. Uh, it was costume studies. It's a program that wasn't offered anywhere else. Uh, so we said, "What the heck? Let's go." I'm not. You know, my career's on hold for the moment, so let's try it. So uh, we came out here and we applied it. I applied at different animation studios. And I ended up becoming... Uh, I started off as an animator and then got to be a director at a little studio called Wet Sand. Now, have you heard of this travesty? No. Okay, so <laughs> it turns out... I mean, it was a great deal at the time. Uh, I was working on... Um, uh, on a, a I started off working on a little short, not a short, but um, a music video for Dav Pilkey's site. You know, the guy who does yeah. Captain Underpants yeah. and all those? Yeah. So it was the Captain Underpants song. And it's still on YouTube. If you look for uh, I Love Captain Underpants or whatever, the uh, Captain Underpants song, it's still up on YouTube. And, and I drew, I animated a lot of that with a guy named uh, uh, Dave McCullough, uh, who actually st- is still working in town as well. So he and I worked on that together, and it was during that time uh, the director of the studio asked if, you know, he saw my experience and he saw the work that I did, and he said, do you want to be a director? And I said, hell yeah. So um, he uh, he took me under his wing, so to speak, very briefly, and said, what we'll do is I'll direct the next show, and you will be my assistant director, and then once you've you know once you're comfortable with the job then i will step back and do mostly you know production work and uh, and you can take over as director of the studio so i was all yay my career is advancing this is great well he ditched me pretty quickly uh by that i mean he stopped being my mentor uh and said well it looks like you can handle this and he sort of stepped away and i didn't know what i was doing and we were trying to negotiate a, a show called the jammies which is uh it was these two rap artists from california um 
dollar and novelist and they would come up from california from time to time and, and talk about their show and we were trying to develop it and it was it was it had all kinds of strange production problems and of course uh the director um sort of washed his hands of the whole thing and stepped back and let me flail about on my own inexperienced as i was and i tried my best to get this thing done and it wasn't working turns out that it was all a scam really because he was all the money that he was getting for these shows he was sort of siphoning into his own accounts and so we were i was having to tell the artists that they weren't going to get paid i was getting paid just pittance and that was only so that he could keep me in uh and um people were getting mad people were were leaving the studio uh and uh and he was buying himself you know a fancy van and he got himself a nice big tv for his fancy van and he would try to pay us with lobsters he picked up and anyway it all kind of fell apart so i got to see sinar fall apart and then i saw wet sand fall apart but just before the the ship sank i ran into uh, a guy named peter huggin so peter uh i had known as a storyboard artist on arthur and he happened to be in Halifax. Uh, we w- I was on my way to work because I was working in, living in Halifax and going to work in Dartmouth. And he was living in Dartmouth and going to work in Halifax. And so we would pass each other at the, ma- at the ferry stations. Anyway, so he saw that I was working at Wet Sand and he had this great, he was very in tune with everything that was going around on. And he said, are you okay? You know, do you need help? And uh, after a while, I finally kind of said, yeah, I kind of need help. So he said, well, we need board artists and you can do that. So come join me at at, at uh, it was uh, Halifax Film so I went with him for an interview and I ended up getting a job at Halifax Film and I ditched Wet Sand I had, I had already stepped down or rather been kind of demoted from director I was like animation director and then just an animator so I had no qualms whatsoever saying well I've had enough of you lot and I walked out and I went and worked at uh at Halifax Film, just before Wet Sand got upended and arrested, and uh, they f- the RCMP raided and took all the computers away, and that is now Humana Humana was built. This local studio Humana Humana was built on the remains of of the contracts and the stuff from Wet Sand. So I went to work for Halifax Film on Bow on the Go, and uh, I'd been there. I have since been at that studio under different names for about twelve years. So I worked on Bow on the Go. I worked on uh, Monster Math Squad. I worked on Pirates, Adventures in Art. Uh, all these little preschool shows many probably have never heard of. No. <laughs> no. no. Aged out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The, and, and, they're, and they were like CBC funded things. They're little, sort of little projects, you know. Uh, and, and then it got uh, later on when it became DHX. It got uh, it got bigger, and we started getting larger projects. So I've worked. Uh, I then worked on um, the new uh, Inspector Gadget. So I worked on that, and um, um, Little People, and uh, Wish and Poof, which is a story about a little girl who has fairy magic and she grants wishes, uh, and Color Forms. Uh, yeah. So the uh, and oh, and then. Uh, just recently, um, they—I mean, uh, over the twelve years, uh, you know, you f- a contract finishes, you're off for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, or whatever. And so, in this latest uh, downtime, I ended up getting uh, in with uh, Copernicus Studios, which is uh, down on um, Morris Street, Morris and Barrington. And uh, so, I've been working there for the last year on uh, the new Care Bears. 
So that's that's what my career has been since. And on the side, to uh, rest my sanity from preschool madness, I've been working on my own web comics. And uh, I have some other interests like uh, history of Rome. So I've got a uh, a comic set in ancient Rome that I'm trying to make as historically feasible as possible. And so I got uh, quite a lot of art projects on the go. As we end off here. Um I would just like to give you the opportunity, first of all, to say thank you for joining me here today. Um, if you have any links that you would like to direct people to, uh, including your webcomic, and uh, and especially how I found you on your Tumblr, and uh, any other messages that you might have for uh, some of the fans, young and old, of Arthur. Uh, messages for Arthur fans. Thanks for watching it. Uh, thanks for enjoying it. Uh, I loved Arthur. I loved working on it. And more importantly, I loved the fact that I had worked on it because um, I go through my mundane day-to-day life and people say what shows have you worked on and I can list off a whole ton and people kind of nod and blink but the minute I mention Arthur I become a celebrity for a few minutes and it's the most wonderful thing so uh, thank you for that Um, thank you to Mark Brown for creating it and thank you to Greg Bailey for for uh, for hiring me originally way back then and and uh, glad to see it's still going or at least it, i know it's just stopped recently but i don't know i guess it'll keep going again i hope it does uh arthur forever and uh, congratulations mr ratburn as for uh, other projects i work on uh i have two websites i have um yafgc.net is uh yafgic it's my web comic that i do yet another fantasy gamer comic <laughs> uh it's um it's it's a little bit more mature audience aimed uh, but it's funny and it's fun and it's uh, sort of a fantasy Dungeons and Dragonsy world uh, that I that I draw and write. And uh, there's also the comics blog, Rich's comics blog at comics.shipsinker.com, and that's where I put up other comics that I've done that I've worked with other people on or that I've done myself. A lot of fan comics and stuff, lots of Doctor Who stuff, uh, and that's where my Roman comic uh, House of Paulus is going up to. Uh, and also one about uh, sort of a Young Avengers uh, Stargate crossover called The Genosha Sequence, uh, written by Ardatli. Uh, so go to them and enjoy them, and uh, I hope I get a chance to talk to you again. This has been a lot of fun. I think we can definitely find, find some way to fit you in. That's Rich Morris, everybody. Thanks a lot for joining us here on Elwood City Limits, and uh, we'll see you next time. Like